0: We can't do anything about six months from now. We've got to go day by day. If you don't like it, then you're welcome to leave. But that's the way that we do things around here. We
1: play in New Jersey, man. So there's going to be some chippiness, there's going to be some griminess. But we're leaving it within the line.
0: And I'll take a team like that. Once a giant, always a giant. For me, it's only a giant.
1: Welcome, everybody, to another edition of All In with Art Stapleton, a New York Giants podcast brought to you by the USA Today Network. I am your host, Art Stapleton, and we've reached week 18 of the NFL season. And for the New York Giants, it means the finish line is here. Sunday at MetLife Stadium, they will close out a very disappointing regular season against the Washington football team. Washington and the Giants, both teams that were in contention for the division title a year ago on the final day of the season, are both eliminated. And they have a lot of questions to answer regarding the future. The Giants are sitting at 4-12. and 12. You know, I thought about this earlier today. The last time the Giants played a Week 18 game was in 2016 when they went to Green Bay for the last playoff game for the team and the only playoff game since Super Bowl forty-six, which was played 10 years ago. So, obviously, this is a decade of disappointment, frustration, that's turned to anger and angst, and the Giants are facing yet another offseason of change, how much change? Well, that remains to be seen, but we'll get into that later in the show. Today's Giants interview, Lorenzo Carter, one of the few players that you could say over the last couple of weeks has really put it out there and produced for this team. Yes, there's some irony in the fact that Carter, a player that the Giants have waited to blossom into that next great pass rusher. That is yet to happen. But for a third-round pick, the final month of a lost season in the final year of his rookie contract, now Lorenzo Carter is showing flashes of the player that the Giants always hoped he could be. We'll get into that in a second. Later on in the show, I want to talk about my piece of the three paths of... For the Giants to find the successor for Dave Gettleman as general manager. Gettleman is not out yet, but that is anticipated. Anyone you talk to in the building seems to be uh, of the belief that it's just a matter of time. That ownership has been waiting to the end of the season. And then they will determine whether or not Dave Gettleman... Will retire, whether he will be fired, or what's probably most likely is that it'll be a mutual parting of ways, quote-unquote. However, the Giants and Gettleman decide to frame it, uh, four years is at the point where uh, they need a new voice at general manager. They need kind of a jolt in talent evaluation, and I will talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Before I get to Lorenzo Carter, I want to remind you that today's show is brought to you by our friends at Tipico. Tipico Sportsbook, a global betting leader, is now live in New Jersey and Colorado. Make your favorite sports more interesting with Tipico's fast and easy mobile sportsbook app. For a limited time, new users from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Terms and conditions apply, 21 and over, See site for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. So as I mentioned, Lorenzo Carter, third round pick. He's in his fourth season. He's gone through a lot of ups and downs and probably more downs than ups since he got here. Early on as a rookie, it was kind of a a rough run for him. And I think he's finally gotten to a situation where the coaches have brought out of him a leadership quality that really wasn't there when he was a young rookie in this locker room. So had a chance to catch up with Lorenzo. Uh, Now, listen, there was a, a lot of different ways we could go with the interview today. But one of the things is time constraints the schedule was crazy on Wednesday. The Giants, because of weather, uh, because it's the last week of the season, we're all on remote for players uh, due to COVID restrictions. I kind of had to pick and choose things that I talked to about Lorenzo, and I try to find things that I thought the all-in audience would appreciate from him. Uh, so we did not get into the idea of whether he wants to return as a Giant or whether or not he wants to explore free agency. Quite frankly, it doesn't matter what he wants right now because the Giants don't even know who's going to be making those decisions uh, in the general manager's seat. Presumably it will not, again, be Dave Gettleman. But until that's official and they know which direction they're going uh, and there is some uncertainty as to whether or not Joe Judge will be back as head coach, will Patrick Graham be back as defensive coordinator, assistant head coach. There's a lot to go through on that front. So I stayed kind of in a a lane with Lorenzo to try to get the most out of him. We had a talk late in the day on Wednesday, so apologize for the audio, at least early on in the interview. But without further ado, here's number 59, Lorenzo Carter. Okay, I want to welcome in Lorenzo Carter. Zo, I've known you for a while, and the last couple weeks, I would imagine... I don't know if you could find a block of games that you've had more of an impact or at least uh, have been more productive. First off, how you doing? And I got to think when you look individually, uh, you feel pretty good about what you've put on tape the last couple of weeks. Uh, yeah.
0: Um, backfripping, like, back crack how I was doing. Um, but, yeah, it was good um, to just get out there and just put some good stuff on film, um, football. I'm feeling good physically. Um, mentally, I mean, of course, I wish we could win more games, but I mean, I think the guys, I'm happy with the guys on defense and the, like, the effort everybody's given. Um, just the fight we have is, I'm, I'm loving that part. Huh.
1: I mean, obviously, let's get to it right off the bat. I mean, I, you know, the season has not gone the way you guys had hoped. Um, for somebody who did a lot of winning in college and then you get here and You know, let's face it. You've you've had to endure a lot of losing and a lot of downs with the ups that you've also had. Uh, How much has that challenged you uh, as a person, as a player? I mean, were you a patient person before, and how much has it tested your patience as a professional?
0: Yeah, I think patience is the word um, that's really just been tested. But um, I think it's. It's tough because guys are putting in the work and the results, like, they haven't been there, but over the past couple of years, I feel like it's just, been it's been pretty good. Like, the guys putting in the work, we're putting in the work, so, like, what we did at Georgia, like, in other, like, programs that I've been in a part of winning, um, it's, it's like we have, we're doing all the right things, we're doing pretty much the right things, and I think it'll come, but it's it's just been patience, um, and then just working, working hard just to keep crashing and keep getting better individually as well. Um, because at the end of the day, you gotta you gotta do good and put good things on film. So it's like it doesn't matter as much what the team is doing all the time. Of course, you want to you put in the work for the team, everything for the team, but. When everything's not going well, you gotta realize that you still gotta work hard, and I think that's the thing guys are doing here. Guys are still working hard, and getting better every day.
1: You know, it's funny when when things are uh, are tough and the team is going through difficult times. You notice the guys who are are putting it out on on game day even even more so. Now you have at least one sack and one pass breakup in each of the last three games, four sacks total. Uh, You know, I I said to somebody that, you know, I think we overlooked, and just because you were ready for the start of this season, and I know you're not going to use any excuses, but to come back from that Achilles injury, that's a brutal injury for any player to go through, especially at the position that you're playing. Uh, And then to have the high ankle sprain in October, have you felt the last couple weeks that, some of the way you're playing is really because your body is actually back to what you need it to be on the field to to play at a high level?
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Um, like you said, coming off an of Achilles is, is tough, man, physically and mentally. Um, just to even trust that you can bend the corner and like put all that pressure because you don't realize i don't think people think about it i know i didn't think about it until it happened to me and like how much pressure and force you're putting on that acute on your achilles and that's a very small muscle so it's like very small tendon but it's like mentally the mental aspect for me getting out there bending being able to trust that i can actually push on it and like push against a 300 pound man right so it's it was a little mental and then started feeling better and then the high ankle sprain but it's like stuff happens and you gotta keep pushing and you gotta keep fighting and I think that's what I'm most proud of for myself is just like persevering all the ups and downs and all the things that happen and things that you just gotta go through and just Coming out stronger on the other
1: side. Now, I remember earlier in your career, you know, you talked about one day, you know, you wanted to be a leader, but also to get that captain C. Now, that hasn't happened yet, but not having a C on your chest doesn't necessarily stop you from acting like a captain. Have you felt kind of a responsibility, especially with as many captains that have gone down with this team this year, unfortunately, to injury? Have you kind of felt that you've kind of taken on that role a little bit the last month or so?
0: Have the captain C on your chest, but I mean, just because you don't have that doesn't mean that you aren't a captain type or a leader on the team. We got a lot of guys that are major leaders, like that get guys going and that are a major part of the team that don't have a captain C on their chest. But having the voted captains go down, that that does kind of suck because these are the guys that as a team, we came together and voted to be our captains, and then it's like, to have them go down kind of one by one, it was a little bad, but, God, we, we didn't worry, because, like I said, the guy, just because you don't have a senior, chest doesn't mean you aren't a leader and doesn't mean you can't get these guys going and rally the troops. So, I think it's just been kind of cool just to for me to sit back and see like, Aziz and Ellerson and the young guys like Quincy from my room, just like coming in and doing their part and working hard working hard every day, trying to gain as much knowledge as they can so they can be game-ready and come out and help us, and I've appreciated them a lot.
1: Well, you mentioned disease, obviously, and I saw a photo, and I can't remember who posted it on Instagram, but a bunch of you Georgia guys out in Chicago on the field, both with the Bears, I know Roquan was out there, Ogletree, and then the rest of you you Bulldogs on the Giants kind of took that kind of a quote-unquote family photo um, what's, what's that like going into, you know, this week, knowing that Georgia is playing in the national title game and you got all these bulldogs kind of surrounding, uh, Xavier McKinney in the defensive side of the ball.
0: <laughs> yeah, we got, Z- uh, Reggie Racklin, so. That's right. Reggie I mean, too. <laughs> they kind of, they kind of got bragging rights because they won, but I think they understand that it's a little bit different coming into this game and. I mean, we're both—we both—it's it's respect, mutual respect from both sides. But we're just gonna see what happens. We, we was out, I wish I was out there. I wish I could have my hand in it, but I can't. So I, could, I trust my dogs to go out there and handle business. And I think they're a little—they're a little scared. <laughs> oh,
1: Alabama's scared?
0: Yeah, I mean, I—I I wouldn't speak for Alabama. I'm sure their fans are pretty confident and happy that they won last game, but. uh the player rest feel on them they they're
1: all timid <laughs> <laughs> well 3 years ago you played Alabama for the national title and by my count i was going through the rosters 36 players that played in that game are currently in the NFL to me that's a crazy number i know georgia and alabama put players in the NFL all the time but 36 players that, that that's just insane What do you remember most about that game? Obviously, I know it's the heartbreak, but, uh, you know, Jake Fromm was asked about that today uh, on his press conference. What What do you remember most from that night?
0: Uh, I'd say just the physicality. Um, it was, like, a different level than I've ever played. Uh, I'd imagine it's, like... Um, the Super Bowl or just – I'd imagine it was like the Super Bowl. Like, I don't imagine there was any higher level of football being played at that moment. Like, it was just everybody was doing crazy things yeah. in Atlanta. It was like my hometown. Like, it was extra. It was a crazy night, a great night to be a part of. I mean, I wish we could have won, but I still just an honor to say I was a part of it.
1: If you were, if you were given kind of that – one wish from a genie to go back in time. Would you go back to that halftime of that of that night and try to change things the way they worked out?
0: Oh, of course. Uh, I mean, everybody retrospectively ought to go back and do a lot of adjustments. But that's the thing. It's, that's the sport, man. Like everybody can go back and coach Tuesday or coach Monday, but like you got to do it in that moment, and that's that's what it comes down to. Those split seconds and those inches
1: very fair Uh, does it feel like you know you got Washington coming in for the season finale on Sunday at MetLife does it feel like that game that you guys played against them in week two was like three seasons ago
0: yeah it actually feels very long ago Um, I was just watching the film and stuff and just thinking like dang this was week two like this was my second game that I played (laughs) that was the second game that I played in like over a year so in almost a year so it was like dang that was a long time ago but i feel better than now going into it that i've had more games and i feel more comfortable healthy and it's just like i'm excited to get out there and get one more chance to go play football
1: you've kind of been a a fixture in the front row uh, of a lot of new york sporting events liberty knicks nets rangers How did this come about over the last couple of years? I mean, it seems like you really, for a guy who was really introverted when you got here, it seems like you're kind of buying in and enjoying that that part of the experience of being in New York.
0: Yeah, man, it's New York City. I think um, coming in, of course, like as a rookie, I'm introverted, period, but... Like, as a rookie, it's like I'm just I gotta sit back and learn, see what's going on with my job before I can even think about going to experience in New York or seeing trying to get a part of it. But, um, quarantine, COVID happening, and then it's like it took everything away and made me realize that, like, I'm blessed to be in New York City. Like, why not take advantage of it? Like, it's right here. So, I live pretty close to the city, and I get a ch- every chance I get, I try to get over there. And just experience it, and get into seeing different things. I like sports, and so of course I love to be in the garden. The garden is the mega of anything. And uh, in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, I do a lot of like community outreach over there. And gotcha. I like it as well. So I spend some time in Brooklyn as well.
1: Yeah, I saw you had your sport in the jersey. What was it last week? A couple weeks ago, you had one of the jerseys, Rangers jersey.
0: Yeah, Panera. I had the Breadman
1: jersey on. <laughs> is he kind of your, one of your favorite guys to watch?
0: Yeah, he is. He is. Scoring, uh, scoring. Score, and then they got Miller. I like Miller. Andre Miller. So I'm trying to get over there. I just got his jersey, so I'm going rock that one.
1: Rain, so Rangers make a run to the playoffs and to the Cup. You'll be right there front and center?
0: Oh, man, got to. <laughs> got to. <laughs> I just, like, this season was the first time I went to a hockey game in my life, and it was why like I fell in love. And the Rangers, it's great that they're a good organization, and they win, and the fans are great, and I just love the atmosphere in the garden. All right, I
1: got two more for you. I appreciate you giving me the time today. I know it's been a long day. Uh, history in the, in the NFL, for you personally, if the, is there an offensive tackle or any lineman that you'd want to test your skills against?
0: Not really. I just like to. I play whoever they line up in front of me. That's that's really my thing. Um, treat no man. Treat them all the same. and Just try to attack them.
1: All right, good answer. And the last one is kind of a fun one. We I ask it every week. Uh, if you're stranded on an island. You have to pick three teammates to be with you and Leonard Williams because everybody picks Leonard Williams to be with them. So it's you, Leo, and then three other guys. If you're stranded on an island, how do you make it uh, to survive?
0: Definitely. You you took Leo because Leo's definitely coming. He doesn't know how to fish and do everything. (laughs) Um, So we got the wilderness part taken care of. I'll probably take... uh, I don't know, I, I don't know if I can take Saquon. He'll look too I take X Men, uh I take uh, I take... oh, say that's gonna no Yeah. I take John Ross. I feel like he can go catch rabbits and stuff. <laughs> and who else I need? To... That can build stuff, or I take Nate Soldier. I feel like he's pretty. He can make some stuff happen, and he's pretty big. He'll get the trees. Uh, <laughs> anything we need from trees.
1: All right, man. No, listen, that that's a good ad, Soldier. That's a first one. You got a couple original ones, so I imagine John Ross running around the island trying to catch at, catch rabbits. That's pretty good. Well, listen, man, thank you for joining me on this week's show. Good luck on Sunday. And then, obviously, whatever happens in the offseason, hope you're back in New York for yourself and, uh, you know, for the Rangers.
0: Yes, sir. All right,
1: now. All right, right, Zoe. Thanks a lot. Special thanks to Lorenzo Carter for joining me today. I know, like I said, it was a crazy schedule for the Giants. They had two walkthroughs today. One was indoors. So there was no media viewing period. A lot of guys were sitting in traffic on Route 3 around the MetLife Stadium area in the Meadowlands. Uh, A lot of icy roads early in North Jersey on Wednesday. So I thank Lorenzo for joining me, finding the time after the second walkthrough on Wednesday. Hope we covered some, some things that maybe you hadn't heard from Lorenzo to this point. I do think it's important to note that he had the Achilles, and then on top of that had a high ankle sprain. I've had some people say that it's just a contract push from Lorenzo, and this is not necessarily the player that he's going to be going forward. I don't have a crystal ball. I can't say that for sure. I've seen guys who come on late and get a big contract. I don't think that'll be the situation with Lorenzo. But if I'm the Giants, depending on where they go for next year – They need to find relatively cheap talent that they think has a high upside because of their cap situation. I would not hesitate in the least to offer Lorenzo Carter a one-year, $1.5 million deal if he was willing to take it as a prove-it deal to kind of get up and have a full season because injuries are still a question for him. Uh, I don't think he'll have more value on the market. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see how the season plays out for Lorenzo Carter and whether or not he's back. But obviously, he's immersed himself in the New York sports scene. So as he said, he'll be running with the Rangers all the way through what he hopes is a Stanley Cup run. I'm sure a lot of you hope the same. Uh, So it's nice to see, as someone who's covered Lorenzo his entire career here, it's nice to see him kind of find some success individually over the last couple weeks. It's always weird when you're asking these guys about their individual success case in point on Sunday, and the team is getting blown out 29 to three. That was certainly not any of Lorenzo Carter's fault, but the fact remains is that the reality for the giants is four and 12. And uh, there's really nothing you can do uh, with four sacks in his last three games Lorenzo Carter is doing all he can individually to help this defense up front. So that brings me to my story that posted on NorthJersey.com ran in print in the record uh, and other publications throughout the USA Today Network on Thursday, and that is which direction the Giants front office will go. Dave Gettleman's anticipated exit, my guess is something will take place on Monday. There's been a lot of craziness because of Joe Judge's 11-minute response to a direct question about why should fans not lose faith in him being the one to turn this team around. Judge went kind of all in in terms of talking about golf clubs at players, lockers. That was Golden Tate in 2019 obviously judge had tate in 2020 so we know how that went kind of took a little jab at washington the idea that deron Payne and jonathan allen came to blows on the sideline and the blowout lost to dallas in prime time whether or not judge should have gone in that direction you know that remains to be seen and that's debatable Certainly, there's been a lot of piling on on Joe Judge, and right now there is very little to defend on the field, and when you don't have the success on the field, you're left doing what Judge has been doing, and that's trying to remind people of what the culture was that he inherited. Again, some of that is perceived, but before I get into my candidates for Gettleman, I'll say this for Judge. He's not a dumb guy. And from what I've witnessed, I believe everything he said was absolutely said behind closed doors in the organization. I don't know if that's been talked about by John Mara or Steve Tisch or anyone else in the front office. Players have absolutely talked about it, that even though Pat Shermer, when he had his final season here, there was still the feeling in the locker room that the players were not necessarily playing for that coaching staff. It's one of the reasons why Pat Shermer was fired. I mean, let's be honest. People want to look back and say they won two out of their last three games. That's not what Judge was necessarily talking about. It sounds silly when a team has won two of its last three games and you say a team is tapped out. They tapped out on those coaches, and that's reality. We were all around here. No one thought Pat Shermer should come back for year three. My contention at the time was the fact that if Pat Shermer was going to get fired after two years, then Dave Gettleman should have gone with him, and the Giants should have taken a full reset when they hired Joe Judge. And now two years later, here they are, looking to try to figure out what they do. Do they do another quote-unquote half measure, keep Judge, bring in a new GM? And I'll get to that in a second. But from my take, should Judge have repeated the things that he said, Probably not. You could debate it. Look, I, I think I think Judge was pushed into a corner a little bit. He he felt a little frustrated. He finally cracked in a press conference situation, and I think he said things that he's probably talked about with Team Brass since he got the job here. I have no doubt that when Joe jo- Joe Judge interviewed for this job, that that was put on the table. How do you fix the locker room culture? And culture is so overblown, but culture matters when you're losing and guys check out. Golden Tate did not work here. Golden, they brought Golden Tate in as he was a finishing piece on the other side of, as Jerry Reese once said about Eli Manning, on his back nine. I and when you talk back nine with Golden Tate, yes, he did have his gold his golf clubs in front of his locker, weeks before that season was over. So that was told to Joe Judge by players. That was told by numerous members in the organization. I have no doubt about that. So when Judge used that at the podium, that's something that was no doubt in my mind talked to him about what they wanted in a head coach coming in here following Pat Shermer. So the things you're hearing Judge say, is it a little bit of a desperation move? Sure. They're 4-12. and 12. I mean, you're 4-12. and 12. Judge has confidence that he's building this thing the right way, but he didn't think he was going to win four games this year. They thought they were going to be a lot better. The injuries mattered. The fact that the offense was still a mess. Judge, Judge's biggest issue to me, is the fact that he didn't recognize or he recognized and didn't pull the trigger that this offense should have changed in the off season, that Jason Garrett should have been relieved of his duties. They should have brought in somebody, whether it's young, old, or in the middle with new ideas to bring this giant's offense, a new perspective. Judge didn't do that. Whether he was, whether it was recommended in-house that they should not make those decisions, whether he made the decision to stay status quo, whatever the reason, obviously it backfired because it didn't work. And now Judge has to answer for that. There will be a time where Joe Judge will sit with John Mara, I'm sure of it, after the season, whether it's Monday, Tuesday, whenever it is. And he will have a list of questions that he has to answer. John Mayer probably knows a lot of the answers, but he still wants to see how Joe Judge answers those questions. So am I 100% certain that Joe Judge is back for year three? No, I can't say that. I can't. Because I can't look at the field and say, this is what they've done X, Y, and Z, and that's why Joe Judge deserves a year three. Do I think Joe Judge deserves year three? I do. I do. I think they they need one more year. I think I would take. Uh, I, I that would not stop me from hiring a general manager that has no ties from Joe Judge, and I'll talk about that now. My list. I had fifteen general manager candidates that were listed in my story today, and Joe Shane, the assistant general manager in Buffalo, is probably my number one choice right now. I listed him as such, you know, but I think there are three paths that the Giants could go down. One would be in-house. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think Kevin Abrams is going to get the job. Uh, I think there's a lot of guilt by association for what's happened here, and if you think there's been a revolution from the fan base until now, just wait if they hire Kevin Abrams as general manager. Is that fair to Kevin Abrams? It's probably not, but look, these things tend to happen. This is a tough business and that's kind of the way they go. I think the number two would be getting someone who has an aligned philosophy with Joe Judge and that would probably be guys with New England ties. The best candidate out of that bunch to me is Monty Osenfort, the director of player personnel in Tennessee. I think he's a strong candidate. Dave Ziegler, the director of player personnel in New England, who kind of filled the role of Nick Casario when Casario left for Houston. I don't see why Ziegler would leave, uh, but he would definitely be a candidate. To me, as I said... The third option is a clean slate. And I think that's kind of what you have to do. I'm not worried about a general manager aligning philosophically with my head coach. If Joe Judge is the right head coach for this organization, then he will match up with the general manager and they will be able to figure out a way philosophically. I mean, it's not like Joe Judge walks in and says, I, you know, I think we should play without helmets. I mean, yes, there are ways to build a team, but... When you hear cliché, oh, you got to you got to build up front. You got to uh, well, Dave Gettleman said you got to build the offensive line and you got to build the defensive line and where are the Giants right now 4 years later? So, as much as the general manager and what that person says publicly, it's all philosophical. You're all going to you're going to want your court, you have to get a quarterback, you have to get a left tackle. You have to get a good offensive line. You need pass rushers. In this league, you need a secondary. You know, you need a middle linebacker to control your defense. You need speed, sideline to sideline. I mean, this stuff isn't, uh, you know, it's not rare for all these guys. It's not like the Bills are the only ones who believe this and deliver it. So you need to find ways to, to get this done. You know, it's easy to look and say, I want this blueprint, that blueprint. I want to hire somebody who's whose success has come in talent evaluation. The Giants need a refresh on talent evaluation. I don't think that means you need to completely get rid of all your scouts. I think there are probably some really good scouts on, with the Giants right now. I, I I think some of the decision makers probably need a refresh or a reboot, reboot out of here, uh, but I do think there are some good people here that it's kind of – gotten glossed over so I'm looking to bring someone in like I said Joe Shane 42 years old is a Parcells disciple Parcells gave him his first job as National Scout I would look at that Uh, I think Elliot Wolf, who's right now consultant for the Patriots he's just 39 years old but look his name has been out there for a while I would not mind one bit if the Giants gave him his shot Ed Dodds assistant general manager in Indianapolis, you know, you work with John Schneider and Chris Ballard. Uh, you, you have some of that success and some of the ways to do things. Uh, Joe Ortiz, uh, director of player personnel with the Ravens. You know, if you go from Ozzie Newsome to Eric DaCosta and then having Joe Ortiz learn from that, that's a guy that I would look at. Um, uh, I do think there are some, uh, sleepers, maybe a Dan Morgan in Carolina. Uh, I don't necessarily think that he'll be the general manager, but if the way Joe judge blew them away in an interview, then maybe they go there. The white whale is Will McClay Cowboys VP of player personnel. I don't think he'll ever get out of Dallas because Jerry Jones has deep enough pockets where he'll just match whatever he's got to do, but he'll also never be the general manager and run his own show. Uh, with Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones, that's just not going to happen. McClay is a big reason for why the Cowboys have one of the best rosters in the league. So he's definitely somebody that if I had an opportunity to interview, I would want to. Uh, and so my five that I list as the five must interviews for me would be Sean, Scott Pioli, Elliot Wolf, Monty Austin and Ed Dodds. That's who I would be, and I'd said my favorite would be shown. So we're going to be all in in the offseason. We're probably going to shift the show a little bit from away from interviews and do more analysis uh, as guys are hired, as changes are made. But first, you got Sunday, the last game of the season. We've been all in all season, so we're not going to bail now. But I do appreciate you listening to the show this week. And again, thanks to Lorenzo Carter, We'll be back next week and the off season is usually when the Giants take center stage around here and that will again be the case. So, we'll be all in with our off season coverage of the draft and any changes that are made. So, keep it right here.